Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be together this morning, isn't it? Hope you're, hope you're doing well. We, uh, we're in week three of this upper room momentum. Upper room meaning the room where Jesus met with his disciples just before going to the cross to hear from him. And there's just something about hearing his words to us as, as he's the one we're following. Just fill us with what we need to, to follow him. And specifically, we're looking at our, our calling this year is to go be a blessing. That's been our, our big initiative. And so these, uh, this idea of God has blessed us as his followers, not so that we'll sit on the blessing, but rather we'll distribute that, be conduits of grace to the people around us. And so today we're going to receive truth that it's, um, I've been looking forward to sharing this with you, whether you're up here today or you're down here or you're just kind of cruising in the middle, it is pure momentum to, to, and I pray and hope it will be an encouragement to you. But to get us started, one, I thought it'd be good to, to share a Go Bless highlight story opportunity that, that came up on my horizon a couple months ago. And when I was thinking about it, it was like, you know, one of the ways God uses us to go bless those around us is through the things we love to do, our passions. And where our love and the joys of life intersect with needs, you have um, some great things happening. And an illustration of that, Ken and Peggy Kelling come to share So would you welcome them as they come? This is pretty big, and that Kenny is, Kenny's love is motorcycles, right? And they're moving into that empty nest season, and he's like, honey, you want to ride with me? And Peggy, she trusts her husband, said, yep, I'll get on the back with you, but let's think about using this as a ministry, as a tool to be a blessing. And so Turn it over to you guys. Right, thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's kind of a weird day to talk about motorcycles now. Um, I guess thinking positive, right? Uh, we've got some friends here with us. We're, we're part of the Christian Motorcycle Association, the CMA. Uh, the CMA is a ministry that reaches out to motorcyclists around the world. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's street, racetrack, dirt, anything that has to do with motorcycles, um, people that ride them, their families, the community of it, the CMA reaches out to them. And um, <laughs> trying to remember what I said the first hour and kind of, um, the CMA um, doesn't matter what, uh, I'm trying to think of what, um, yeah, uh, the CMA does one uh, run for the sun, it's a uh, my brain's locking up. Look at me go. <laughs> there's so much. That's oh, what there's I know. so much. We had a video that we're going to show, and we're just, so I'm just kind of having to ring it. But there is a um, fundraiser that CMA does. It's called Run for the Sun. It's done once a year. It's the only uh, benefit thing that they do as far as for the ministry. Um, 100% of the money is used towards missions and so, towards the ministry of CMA. Um, the first, uh, there's 20% of that that goes to the Jesus Film Project, okay, and that goes around the world. Uh, the CMA is in 40 different countries. Uh, 20% of that goes to transportation through missionaries ventures, missionary ventures. 
Uh, they've given like 6,000 motorcycles, 6,000 bicycles, uh, horses, different things that folks need, and they say at least one camel. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one. And canoes, that's right. And canoes, okay. So there's 20% that goes there. 20% goes to Open Doors, which is a ministry that provides Bibles and help to folks in uh, persecuted countries where people are being killed for their faith, having a Bible, anything like that. So 20% goes to that. The other 40% stays with the CMA. None of this money goes to daily operations, okay. The other 40% goes to tracks and different things for witnessing to these folks in the motorcycle community, okay? Um, our passion, the passion of the motorcyclists is the motorcycles, but our passion, more importantly, is for Jesus Christ and for witnessing to these folks and helping them where they're at, okay? Um, it really doesn't have all that much to do with the motorcycles, um, that we love them that much. I, I had, she, was, she was teasing me about that. Um, but we, we really go and uh, it doesn't matter where these folks are at. What Some of them are doctors, some of them are lawyers. You don't know where these people come from. But uh, we witness to them. And there is right now the Indianapolis Outlaws in Indianapolis, pretty rough folks. One of their members kind of higher up in the ranks, got saved not too long ago. So God is working everywhere within these communities. So no one's beyond God's love. And these folks need Jesus. And so anyway, uh, as you see someone on a motorcycle this year, pray for that person. Pray for us. Pray for the ministry. And if you feel led, we'd love for you to uh, donate to the Run for the Sun. We've got more information in the back um, if you'd like to see us after the service. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you. All right. This is also a, a great time of year with March Madness in full swing. And I do, just as your pastor, need to offer condolences and sympathies for Purdue last night. But also to say, man, what, that was a great run. And you uh, represented Indiana well. Painful loss. But, you know, basketball, one of the things that makes it a great, great game is the unpredictable nature that, that it has. And there I picture, you know, a coach with uh, eight seconds to go, close game, calling that timeout and huddling with his team and then drawing up the perfect, perfect play. Like, this is an unstoppable play. We'd go clear screen on this, and, you know, so we'll say even last night. Here's Matt Painter, you know, saying, guys, this is it. We'll have Klein, you take the ball out. Other three guys, you all put up the picket fence for who? Carson Edwards. And, Carson, you just get the ball, dribble around out here for a while, and then take your shot. And uh, <laughs> I went to bed at halftime, but I understand he could not miss that second half. But what usually happens, though, those of you who have, been in a huddle like this absolutely nothing compared to what was drawn up on the the board right you're like okay coach did we what happened out there well why why is that there's five reasons one two three four five other guys whose their primary goal is what stop what the the coach said to do prevent that perfect play from happening in a word it's opposition so it is for us as we set out to follow Christ to go be a blessing. We know a couple weeks ago we looked and said, guys, here, here's your new command. Love each other as I've called you to, as I have loved you. And then go um, be a blessing. Be that light 
But the moment that we say, all right, I'm in, I'm in, I'll follow you, Lord, into this, what do we step onto? We step onto the playing field where God's clear again and again and again that we have an opponent who is out to prevent us from being an influence for good, from from being the conduit of blessing that we're praying that he would be. And what God gives us here, what Jesus gives his followers is some truth, a truth, a command, and an example specifically for that moment when they're facing opposition as they set out to go be a blessing. And it's a truth that that is powerful to transform us. If we get this truth in our soul, it, it changes something in how we see reality. It's a command that's powerful to mobilize us when we get stuck with fear. And it's an example that's powerful to inspire us to run through those those tough moments and keep on for him. And so let's dig into it. It's found in John chapter 14, and we'll begin reading there in verse 15. He starts with the, uh, we'll start with the truth. And verse, verse 15 says, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And this is, the NIV translates this, keep my commandments Literally, it's you will keep my commandments. So if we love the least, if you love me, this is going to happen. This is not a question. It isn't a command in the original. It's, it's a statement of, of what's going to happen, statement of reality. And then he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The idea here, we know this is the Holy Spirit that he's promising. And what, how do, what, what does he describe him as? A, another advocate or a helper. And so the truth is this. Here's the truth to, to get into our soul. If you love me, you'll obey me and receive all the help that you need to go be a blessing, to carry out the calling that God's given us. Here, really important to really that sets the tone for the entire text and what Jesus is talking about, what's the primary motive that will propel us through those tough moments of life when it's hard to go be a blessing, hard to to live out his calling on our lives? What's the primary motive? He starts off, if you love me, if you love me, if you love me. And he keeps repeating it throughout this text. Well, as we read through it, you'll notice it. It's love. It's The thing that's going to keep you in the game, keep me in the game, keep us moving, it's the relationship that we have with him. Now, if he went around that table of 11 guys in the room and said, Peter, John, James, do you love me? What would they have said? And it's agape me. Do you agape me? What would they have said? Yeah. If you went around our room today and said, do you love me? I'm sure most of us would say, if, if you've walked with him and you know him and you've received the, the gift of salvation, oh yeah, I love you, Lord. Did they love him with the perfect love? No. He knew, he knew that. We're all in process. We are, every one of us, imperfect in our love. And yet he appeals to their love. He says, if you love me, knowing they do, let love be what fuels you. Let love be what what propels you through the tough times, through those moments when when you're facing opposition and it's hard to live out the calling that that, uh, we've received. Now, what he does next here is, uh, this is where you can feel the the go-bless momentum start to build 
in this truth. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me, and you'll receive the help that you need. And this help, with this, as he describes this help, it's promise after promise after promise that just there's uplift with it. And the first is in verse 16, as he says, I was the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you. And he will be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know, but you know him, for he lives with you. Now, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And you say, what, what does he mean there? In what way is the spirit with him at this moment in time? It's through Christ, right? We know Jesus was, um, the, the spirit was given to him at the baptism. And he was living in the spirit, showing them what it looked like to, to live a spirit-led life spirit-filled life, and he was with them in that moment, but he will be in you. And this is the promise of Pentecost, right? When the, uh, the disciples are praying, and, and they're in Acts 2, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given, a gift that we receive when we come to faith in Christ, the indwelling presence of God to, to empower us to live out the calling that he's given us. And so the first promise is the Father will give you another helper, Interesting, he says another helper. We know Jesus is, is a helper, still helping us, but the Spirit comes to help us. Now, why do we need another helper? When he says, you're going to receive help, what does that assume? We're going to need it, right? We're facing opposition. It's that playing field. We face an opponent that's too big for us. If you read Jude, um, it says, even Michael the archangel will not bring an accusation against the, the enemy that we face, the lion who's seeking to, to devour us and derail our life mission. But we have a helper, and he, he promises to be with us each step of our journey. The, uh, he goes on, the, as we look at this text, the, the one word, you might, can we go back to the verse right before this? The, uh, the word that comes up three times in this text, you might circle it in your Bible, is the word world, which represents, when John says this, it represents just really culture, forces we can see, unseen and seen forces that are away, uh, moving away from God or not following God. And the, this is um, where we live. We, we live in enemy territory, really. And not that those who, who don't know God are our enemies, we love them, but the, this is um, evil runs, runs this world and the prince of darkness, and other places, the devil. And so what brings the, the tension in, the, in this text several times, when he says the word world, you can almost see his, his disciples going, their eyes get big, and like, okay, it's going to be us against the world, and it was. You know, they ha they're starting a movement that uh, their leader's leaving, and it's them against the world. There will be moments, and I'm sure for us, not like as extreme as them, but there's moments when following Christ doing what he calls you to do, leaves you feeling alone, like a fish swimming upstream. What do you do in those moments? How do you stay with what he's calling you to do? And hear this truth. If you love me, you'll obey me, and I will give you all the help that you need to get through that moment. And this is the, the beauty of the, the spirit-led life, right? The spirit-filled life. And I love the, uh, this week, we talked a couple weeks ago about the word God. Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that God has given us. And I am finding the Lord gives me a word per week. And he just says, hey, John, feast on this all week long. And the word that he gave me this week was Psalm 139, verse 5, which says, David's, David's writing, but it, 
he's describing the Lord, and he says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. He's describing what we experience through the presence of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And what's cool is you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. That's the ministry of God's Spirit to us. You hem me in behind. Always something coming at your back, isn't there? Always something. Those of you in leadership, always someone coming to to create division and mess with this or that, right? He's got your back. You hem me in behind. Can anybody touch you? Nope, not outside his control. And you hem me in before. It's, there's always something in the future messing with our peace, isn't there? What, what, what's going to come? What's going to happen? Is it going to be okay? What's he say? You hem me in behind. You hem me in before. And here's where it gets good. And you lay your hand upon me. That's how close he is. He's got you right here. Go this way. Go this way. Go this way. Isn't that awesome? That's the promise. If you love me, you'll obey me, and I will give you all the help that you need. I got your back, I got your front, and I got you right now in this moment. My hand is upon your life. We could pray and go home with that, couldn't we? (laughs) That's his promise to us. Truth that transforms how we see reality, but he keeps on with it. As he says, um, I'm not going to leave you. Verse 18, I, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. You will, uh, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And so he's speaking of the resurrection that we know will happen soon. He'll be gone for three days, comes back. And the promise that flows out of this, I love that last little bit. We'll just rest on that. Because I live, you also will live. This is our promise as well, isn't it? Because we serve a risen Savior, we will live. Now, when, when we say live, does that mean breathe and make it another day down here? Kind of, but, but bigger. To live is to love the way that the Lord puts it. Eternal life, in verse, as he prays in this uh, verses, chapter John 17, verse 3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To live is to know him. It's to know God at an intimate level, to enjoy him, its intimacy with him. And what's beautiful about this is when we enter the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ and receive salvation through what he did for us on the cross, we believe him. Not only do we enter an a re- intimate relationship with God, but those around us who know him and follow him, we share a oneness and a unity, and we live together. We share life into eternity. That's the promise. That's what he came to give us. Death, it's scary, isn't it? And it hurts. The separation hurts. But death has been destroyed because Christ lives. We live. And not just today, but into eternity. And those of you who this week, the kids, whatever, many had rest and break and we had the opportunity to get away. Our daughter is about to graduate, so it was kind of our last spring break as a, a family together. And I found myself looking at that beautiful girl, my beautiful wife, and just trying to hang on to the moment and, and drink the moment full. And I, it just keeps slipping through, right? You, you can't fully grasp it. And it leaves kind of a sadness at the end of the time. You taste a little bit of heaven, 
But uh, Jesse gave me a, uh, recently gave me four pictures as a gift. And I have them on my desk for the office. And the first one was a picture of her and me at a Colts game. I had my arm around her. And I put on a sticky note. I entitled it Holding Beauty. And um, just my beautiful daughter. And then another was Chad and I playing golf last summer. And so you have a picture of me and then my son. And I pictured it, or I posted a note, new and improved and pounding it. <laughs> he's, he's better than I, but it's so fun to do it together. And then I, he, there, she gave me a picture of Tam and, and I at a sharing breakfast together. And I put a post-it note, happy, happy, happy. And just to be able to share life with, with Tam. And then the last picture was of our whole family. And it, a caption didn't come to my mind right away. So I just sat on it for a while and was waiting. And later in the week, the caption came. And you know what it was? I put on the sticky note, forever one. Forever one in Christ. That's your family, if you know him. That's our faith family. And yes, these moments of life that are so good slip through our hands. But in Christ, we haven't lost them. The best is yet to come. And it's in this relationship with our Father and with each other that we, uh, we have life. And so he moves from that, though, that promise, and previews what's coming. He says, all right, and speaking of the resurrection day 20, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So there he goes again, appealing to our love, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Important uh, reality here. Again, Jesus is saying, guys, the, the treasure of life, the, the treasure that he came to give us, that, that he suffered and died on the cross for us, was this relationship. And he said, now, as you love me, you'll keep my commands. And what's going to happen is a growing awareness of who I am. I'm going to show myself to you. But it flows out of obedience, which flows out of love. And so really important concept. When we start to feel distant from God or we start to feel like, God, where are you? Or you hear hear yourself think, okay, I'm, I'm not seeing God in my life. An important place to look and something to ask is, do am I... Am I loving him? Is, is, am I nurturing this relationship and pursuing him, seeking him? And then am I obeying him? Truth obeyed, light obeyed, commands obeyed leads to more light or more revelation. Commands ignored or truth ignored leads to night, leads to, to less revelation from God. And as I was reading this text, the, the word that continued to come to my mind was pure and the promise therein. In uh, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To be pure in heart is to want one thing. And as we continue to pursue purity, we see more and more of God. We fall more and more in love with him. Our intimacy grows, and he reveals himself to us. Well, Judas raises the question that, that really is the elephant in the room. Now, if we're in there, that moment, they've just learned Jesus is leaving. They've heard that the world is really not going to get all this, and it's them against the world. And so he lifts up that question in verse 22 as he says, Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, 
said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Which is really, what's he saying? (laughs) He's saying, it, it could go way better if you would just reveal yourself as king of the universe to everybody right now, because then they would know who we are. We're, we're your followers, and life's a lot better, right? Why don't you show yourself to the world? Why, why is this kind of going to be a, an undercover thing, and is it just going to be us? And it was interesting how Jesus answers this question. I wrestled with this for a while. Think I, I, I'm seeing it. Verse 23, when he says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. What's he saying? So why, why don't you show yourself to the world? What's he saying? Judas, I will show myself to the world, but this is how I'm going to do it. Anyone who loves me, meaning who responds to the, his love, the, the gift of salvation, they're going to obey me. Meaning I'm going to change their heart. They're going to want what I want. They're going to follow my will. And then the me and the Father, we're going to take up residence in that person, and the world will see me through them. One life at a time. The promise could be verbalized this way. I will show myself to, to the world through the one who loves me. Now, what, what is pure upper room momentum right here to be, go be a blessing is this. Can we go back to the verse? As we think about how God's going to work out his kingdom, the word right here, anyone who loves me. Earlier this year in the fall, 500 of us committed to, to begin praying, Lord, make me a blessing. And we said, could we be a, let us be a blessing to, to someone who doesn't know you, somebody who's trying to do life outside of, of knowing God. And along the way, maybe moments, there's no way that this person's life could, could be changed. Could, it can seem hopeless. But here we see anyone who loves me. Doesn't matter how good, how bad, what the past, what the situation, anyone who will respond to the gift of salvation through faith in Christ will obey me. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And I just love this picture of what would a person's life look like? The person who may be far from God, struggling with all kinds of stuff, if God shows up and makes his abode, his home in their heart and life. What kind of change would happen? And this week, as I've been thinking through this and praying this over through, through people, over people that I know, I, I'm calling it the 1423 difference. It's the 1423 difference, right? Anyone who loves me. This, this invitation's open to anyone who loves him. They will do what he commands, and the Father will come and dwell them through his spirit and uh, accomplish the, what, what he's he's uh, seeking to accomplish. And then the final promise he gives them is in verses 25 and 26, as he says, and all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And we know the promise here is our helper will teach us and remind us of all that we need to know. And aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit spoke to these guys, the the apostles, and gave us the scriptures, what we hold today as the word of God. And we know that the the scriptures 
have the, the cannon has been closed and we have all that we need right here. But the Spirit continues to remind us, doesn't he? And how many times those of you who have walked, are following Christ, has he brought it truth to mind just when you needed it to help you? James 1.5 says, if we lack wisdom, ask and God will give it. And he guides us through his other people who are following him. And um, truth after truth, I was thinking it'd be really cool to go around the room today and just share moments of, uh, often moments of change and transition, the moments these guys are in right here, they're facing a huge transition. Have you experienced that in your own life, that, that often it's that time of change that as humans, it's hard for us, but where God shows up and, man, he gives you just what you needed. I was thinking back to a transition moment in our life as a pastor, one of the toughest moments is when you're called off to another church family because you love this church family so much and your heart just, it's like dying, you know, 150 deaths where you have to say goodbye. And it was the Sunday I realized that God was calling us to another church and nobody knew and, and except Tam. And my heart is just ripping out. I'm having to get up here and, and preach, but I'm just dying inside. And I would go back to the door and saying goodbye to the folks as they're leaving. And a lady, she knew nothing about this. Had said nothing, I had said nothing about this to anyone. She, she, uh, she's following, she was a follower of Christ and older lady, but she comes up and I can still see her husband goes off to the car. She waits there and then she goes and she whispers in my ear these words. Spirit-filled, start to finish. <laughs> and that was from God, right? Spirit-filled, start to finish. <sighs> you talk about momentum, filling up my soul. Yeah, this is going to be hard, but I have a helper. When God says, uses this word helper, it's the word paraclete. It means, para means to come alongside, cleat, advocate, just the help we need in our moment of, of um, need. And what a gift to know. God is faithful. He gives us all that we need step by step. Um, when it gets hard, when the opposition is there to live out the calling that he's given us. And then we uh, come to the command that will mobilize us. All right. This is the, uh, he starts with the promise there in verse 27. As he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. And then out of this promise, here comes the, the command. It's significant that in this whole text, this is the only imperative. This is the only time he says, okay, take out your notepad, go do this. Here it is. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. <laughs> Isn't that an awesome command? That's a command I, we love to keep, right? And it's also a command to be like, Lord, How? <laughs> In the midst of this life, how, how can I not let my heart be troubled and not be afraid in the midst of scary circumstances? And what's the answer to that? The promise. You got my peace. And if, if you struggle with things, if you're struggling with anxiety, fear, whenever fear threatens to, to paralyze you, take you out, where do you go? To our knees, and we pray pro, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9, the, the four P's of peace, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind, right? Amen? Those of us who have experienced that, and don't you love this command, a command we love to keep? It's a command that mobilizes us. 
My dad, who's the historian of, of our family and for many years was the historian of our church, shares a story that, that uh, I, have, I don't have the details, and it'd be better, Dad, if you came up and shared this, but uh, <laughs> raise your hand if I'm up, but it was during a war, and the war that we, uh, beaches of Normandy, and guys are being let off the, the boats, and they're stuck there on the beach, and many of them would freeze, shell shock. These are soldiers that were prepared for this, but when you have guns going off all around you, all they could do is freeze, and they're in the fetal position, just stuck. And the role of the commander was simply this, to come around um, from man to man and whisper, or, uh, look, say, soldier, let's go. Soldier, let's go. Soldier, let's go. Just give them the next command. I love this picture of Jesus. We're sheep, right? We get scared. He's the commander, and he's coming around to you and to me and saying, let's go. Let's go. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's go. Be a blessing. Step out into the, the area of, of outside the comfort zone. Go do what I've called you to do. By my power, let's go. And that leads us into this, uh, the inspiring example. So this is in the moment where you, you sense a shift in the conversation from content to action. In verse 28 where Jesus says, you heard me say that I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Not meaning that he is less than the Father, but his authority is greater. Verse 29, I have, told, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen that you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of the world is coming. So you can just see, prince of the world, who is that? That's the devil. He runs things down here, and specifically, he's coming in this moment. Storm clouds are coming. So what do you do in that moment when the prince, when the opposition, the defense is coming? What do you do? Shut the door, hunker down, stay in the upper room, right? Oh, no. The prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now. Let us leave. Let's go be a blessing. And the inspiring example in this moment is the obedience of our Lord, fueled by his love for his Father, which moves him to go face the cross. Why the cross? Why the suffering? In your own life, in my life, why must we face, endure the effects of the opposition? Why is the Father still allowing the enemy to do what he's doing? And Jesus answers the question in this text, so that everyone watching the world will know what perfect, pure love looks like. It looks like the cross. The innocent dying, going to be a blessing for the guilty. Praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and taking it all the way to the finish for you and me. There's our example, right? It's what we're called to do. Go. Be a blessing. And, and what fires me up as I see this scene and as I just feel the heartbeat of our Lord is, yeah, we have an opposition. We have an opponent, but he has no power over us. We, we live under the authority of Jesus Christ and and. Uh, we, we should not, will not, must not fear him. 
And as our relationship with the Lord, it's what's fueling us, right? It's the truth that transforms us. If we love him, we'll obey him and, and do what he commands. We've been given a helper. He says, don't be afraid. But when we see those storm clouds on the horizon and realize this next season of my life is going to be really hard. As I set out to go love as he loves to, to go be a blessing, it's going to be brutal. But this is my opportunity in my story, your story, to let a watching world, maybe just your, your kid, your grandkid, but they're going to watch pure love in motion. And what they're going to see is, to the best of my ability, that I love the Father and I do exactly what he commands me. Come, let's go. Remember the moment in 9-11 when those guys were up in the airplane and, and uh, they said, all right, either we can just all go down you know, like this, or we can attack this guy that's trying to take us out. And they said, let's roll, let's roll. It's really the, what's on the, the plate for us is we set out to go be a blessing. We can be safe, we can hunker down, we can stay inside our comfort zones, or we can answer the call to go be a light in the darkness. I love this picture of our Lord whispering to us, come, let's go. And in this moment, they exit the upper room, walk down those stairs, and they head for the, the Garden of Gethsemane. I love the way, where are they going to meet the enemy? On their knees. We win the fight on our knees. But uh, let's go. So I uh, hope and pray this has been encouraging to you and your journey. Let's pray. Father, we do just treasure your words to us today. And I lift up each person here today, Father, and thank you for the opportunities that, that you're giving us to go be a blessing as the story of redemption is playing out in real time in our lives. Thank you for your, your calling here to um, raise this one question, do you love me? And our answer, Lord, is yes, we love you, but help us love you more. Help us trust you, especially in those moments that we're tempted to fear. And help us to fix our eyes on you as our example. Lord, I thank you for the relationship that you've, you died to give us, a relationship where we can just know you and, and uh, enjoy your presence, walk with you, follow you, and then just the promises that you've given us, Lord, in this text are just treasures that, that uh, fill us with joy, fill us with momentum, and also fill us with the passion to share this with those around us who may not know you yet. And so I pray that you would use us, Lord, even this week, to be your light. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting here today and think of, uh, of uh, Bill just shared that his uh, stepbrother passed away. I pray for their families and, and uh, pray comfort for them. I pray for those of us who are in a season of transition that, uh, Lord, that you would be our strength and our comfort. I pray for those who are struggling with sickness or health issues and just that you would be close to them Lord, remind us all again and again that you hem us in behind and before and your hand is upon us. Lord, having that, we need nothing else. We thank you for that. We know it came at a great cost through Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.